Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you are listening to this podcast, you are listening to the Sports Cave presented by Retro Sports Network. I am your host, Robbie Clark, along with my co-host, Kyle Galulian. Kyle, forgive me. Viewers, listeners, forgive me. I am in the most like post-recovery Thanksgiving mode I think I've ever been in my entire life. Like This year, I went hard when it came to eating food. Like I normally, I, I, I consume a lot of food. I'm a big boy. But I consumed too much food this Thanksgiving, and it's like I'm still recovering. I still need more sleep to recover from all the turkey and all the other sides that I absolutely devoured on. How was your Thanksgiving, Kyle? It was pretty good. You know, good, good food, time with the family. Can't com- can't complain. Just it felt it felt weird with uh f- with like today felt like a Monday to me. Because with working a bunch of Saturdays because of mandatory overtime now, it feels like with football on, like with the Thanksgiving football, it just felt like everything today was like Monday. But it's like, oh, it's not Monday. It's Friday. I don't know. It was just weird waking up. Yeah, this is uh, Friday, the day that we are recording here in this podcast. As yesterday, we spent our time with our families and enjoyed some football. Um You know, I slept pretty good, too, like 10 hours, but I'm still recovering from the Thanksgiving food, man. Oh, my God. I should probably just go to the gym and run it all off. Maybe that'll wake me up. I don't know. But um, there was a couple of snooze fest games on yesterday for Thanksgiving. And let me clarify something really quick. I'm going to wake up for this really quick. All right. I need to go on my Facebook and defend myself really quick because I had people attacking me hard. There was a tweet that this was on Facebook eventually, like a screenshot of the tweet saying that NBA Christmas is 6,000% better than NFL Thanksgiving. And I should have took my time, I guess, answering this because what I put was, if I'm going to be honest, NBA Christmas is better than NFL Thanksgiving. I should have put this year. 100% I meant this year. With all the things leading up to this year, I mean... Let's recap the games now that we can. The Bears and Lions game was just a, an atrocity. That was just <laughs> horrible. That's that's the game that you take your Thanksgiving nap on. That's the game. But who's eating at 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning, especially when you have a bunch of these high school games happening here in Connecticut? Shout out to the Nocta Greyhounds for beating the Ansonia Chargers for the first time, I think, in about 10 years. Congratulations to the Nocta Greyhounds. Uh, 14-7 final score. Congratulations, Nogi. So people are already doing that. Once time those games are done, then it's time to eat. So you have to suffer through the Bears and Lions game. So if we give a quick recap here, if there's anything I learned is that the Lions actually have a decent corner who I think now has five interceptions on the air. I already forgot his name. That's, that's one. Number two, the Bears. Honestly, Kyle, I don't think they should fire Matt Nagy. Bold. And here's why. Because let's just look at Matt Nagy compared to a lot of the other head coaches when it looks on the sidelines. He's not trying to throw games. He's trying, obviously, to win all these ball games. But look at the receivers that the Chicago's Bear have. Like what the Chicago Bears have almost reminds me of what the Patriots had last year. Demir Bird. <laughs> he was one of the receivers getting getting touches yesterday. Uh, Darnell Mooney, I think his name is a washed up Jimmy Graham with an atrocious offensive line, which then features their defense with Khalil Mack, as you educated me on Monday, he's out for the year. And oh, damn, I read Roquan Smith. He missed the rest of the game um, on Thursday. And I get it, they're facing the Lions, but there's it almost looks like it's a depleted roster. And yes, there's. There was no Justin Fields, there was Andy Dalton, so we have to see if he'll be able to elevate Justin Fields to what the Chicago Bears would hopefully seem to be their franchise quarterback for the upcoming years. That's to be determined. But now you have to give this guy a shot. Let's be honest. This Bears team sitting at 4-7 and seven with what's going on throughout the, t- uh, the entire roster, I tip my hat a little bit towards Matt Nagy to try to win these games. I don't know. I just I still think you have to get get rid of him because there's the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I believe his name is pronounced Eric Bieniemy. 
that he was a very popular choice as potential for coach, you know, head coaching job the last couple of years. And it's gone, you know, more, his name's gotten more and more popular. And I still think if you've seen what he's done with, you know, with much credit as you want to give him, maybe not whatever with, because of Andy Reid being there, you know, with how the chiefs offense has looked the past couple of years, you know, if you bring him in with a, you know, Justin Fields, John Clark obviously is thought of as the next quarterback of the team, the franchise quarterback. I feel like that you should do something like like that instead. I mean, this game, yes, it looks good. You know, okay, it's a tough, hard-fought victory. But at the same point, it is the Lions. And the Lions almost, I mean, almost, they pretty much gave them the game and made it a hell of a lot easier for them to ice the game and get in range for that, or even closer range for that field goal when they called back-to-back timeouts and got the five-yard penalty. Because did you, did you see the end of the game and how it all played out? Before you even bring that up, can we talk about how many times we saw the Lions start off with like first and 30 because of holding calls? Like there was, yeah. I think I counted two or three times that the Lions were at first and 30 because their offensive line was, they were caught holding. But yeah, I see yeah. it. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. That like, that's just. Uh, that's just, I just feel like so bad for Lions fans at this point for this season. You feel bad for like, Lions like, fans now? I feel bad for Lions well, fans I mean, the last this, 50 years. Especially after the season. Because you could tell like this team has heart. You know, this team doesn't lay, lay down. But it's just like it just seems like they find different ways every week to do something stupid. So not that they would have had a great chance to win the game if they didn't do the back-to-back timeouts. But they would have had at least a chance, potentially. And at that point, they essentially sealed their fate. They made it oh. an easier. It was either second or third down. And it was an easy conversion for the Bears. Lions had no more timeouts. Or sorry, not enough timeouts to stop the clock, run the clock down. He kicked essentially a field goal that was shorter than an extra point. Well, the Lions work. had a chance to win this game. The Lions had a chance to win against the Steelers. The Lions had a chance to win against the Ravens. Justin Tucker just nailed the longest field goal in, in NFL history inside of a dome where the records were set in Mile High City, Denver, Colorado, fifty-two a mile. You know. 5,280 feet above elevation where Justin Tucker nailed it inside of a dome. That's just the way it goes for the Lions. But um, the big news for the Lions, too, is DeAndre Swift left the game with a shoulder injury. And for a team that wants to get at least one win, when you lose the only star you have on offense, that's not good. High possibility we're going to see 0-16-1 for the Detroit Lions. Again, yeah. Owen sixteen. Just add the one tie. Again, yeah. yep. And I honestly was feeling, uh, you know, good about the potential of, you know, when I said the Lions were going to win. You know, they got the touchdown with Hawkinson with a minute forty six left in the third, and I was like, oh wow, they might actually win this. And then it just went, it went downhill. <laughs> just like, uh, poor, poor Lions. Just this is might be like as low as it could possibly get, too. Like, I, For the I lines, feel like, I feel it's like almost as like. No, I think the uh, lowest it possibly got was the Justin Tucker field, but I think that was just like the beginning of like. Are you kidding me? I think I think that was the beginning of the down, like the like the like the reality was starting to to kick in because this is a game. I mean, they were obviously right there; they had the lead up until the last second, but. Oh my god, it's just it's like it's one of those things. If you're gonna win a game, this is gonna be it, really. No um Khalil Mack, you know Roquan Smith. Feel, Alan yeah, Robinson. Robinson. Just, yeah, it's just like oh, it was just it was bad. But again, a snooze fest of a game, pretty much, and you know, you pretty much knew that going in. There wasn't really much of a surprise. <laughs> well, this was one hundred percent surprise. I don't care what anybody says the Las Vegas Raiders go to Jerry World, defeat the Dallas Cowboys 36-33. Um, shout out to Cowboys fans. Shout out to Cowboys fans, really, because I am so annoyed with these damn Cowboys fans with their excuses every damn game they lose. And then they say, you root, you root against us because the uh, something about the team. No, it's not the team. Because you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I like Dak Prescott. I like Zeke. I think they're funny as hell. And I think Dak holds himself pretty high as professional. I hate, I'm sorry, this might be my least favorite fan base in the NFL because I just cannot, it's America's team. You haven't been America's team in over 25 years. You haven't won a Super Bowl since since I was in diapers. Yeah, 
and especially like, how yeah and, and the excuses that pile up about uh, that was I was going to get to my point because there was legit face mask on third down for the Patriots and they missed it. Oh, typical Patriots fans crying because they don't get their way <laughs> when it's legit. But for the Cowboys, it's we let the rest roll to get us all night. Uh, hello, it went both sides. Do you not recall the time where they called a false start on the center for doing the head bop, which they're legally allowed to do under the rules, and you went off sides, but they gave the benefit of the doubt of bad call for the Raiders to lead up to second and 10? And do you know what happened after they got that second and 10, Kyle? Tough. They converted the first down because the Raiders were a better team. With the exception of Michael Parsons, no one on the Cowboys defense performed. Not a single one, including Trayvon Diggs. Not Anthony a single Brown one. Was bad, like four pass interference calls for them. Yeah, and let me ask you about that last one. Do you think that's pass interference? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because this, this is the thing, and like, and I was like, you know, talking to some people, is that was there contact? Yes, very, very minor contact. But the problem is, he didn't have his head turned around. Do you, do you know what else? Had, do you know what else? They were what? calling that all game long on both sides. Yeah. And I was waiting for something because I have this uh, Cowboys fan uh, at, at work. He works in the department that I'm in. And he didn't end up actually saying this, but I was prepared for him to say it. And this is my thought of that, you know, I don't know if Cowboys fans use excuse wouldn't surprise me if they did was, well, you don't call that at that point in the game. You let them play. I say this to anyone, no matter it, what sport it is, if they use the excuse, well, we don't call you're sorry, you don't call that at the end of the game, you let them play. I instantly stop caring about whatever they say in their opinion is now null and void to me. Because the thing the thing that can trigger me the most and will instantly get me PO'd at you is to say we don't call stuff at the end of the game because like in my brain, it's always like, so what, we get to the fourth quarter or, or overtime and all of a sudden we play by different rules now than we did in the first, second, yep. and third quarter. That to me is the stupidest and dumbest and idiotic thing you, you could ever say. And I was texting in this chat with someone and the guy said it was very minor contact. It's like, yeah, but the problem is he didn't have his head turned around. If, he's, if he had his head turned around, probably not a penalty, but that's the problem. If, even if there's minor contact and your head's not turned around, they'll call that probably 100 times out of 100. Because you're not That's playing the, the ball, you're playing the man. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, you know, I mean, this thing, it's the Cowboys defense let down the Cowboys offense because the Cowboys offense played pretty damn good. Well, yeah, Prescott had 375 passing yards. Yeah, without C.D. Lamb, too. Without C.D. Lamb, without Amari Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> like that's impressive stuff, right? Very there. much it's so. Just, it's just like, you know, it's I don't know, but I, I mean, I personally like to see it just because of how you know trash talky that people, you know, Cowboys fans were after they, you know, they beat the Pats, and it's just like, you know, it's it, like it's come up, it's you know, you yo, you don't like the call all of a sudden, but like you said, there was that missed, you know, call on the face mask. I believe it was. On Aguilar, Aguilar, mistaken. Yep. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, I guess that. I mean, and honestly, it's kind of like the story of their their season is ca- missed calls, or you know, calls that went against them. You know, there was the one in uh, against the Bucks in the season opener. You know, that went against them. That was very close. That you know, lost them the game essentially. Like we said, the Pats game. Sorry for bumping my mic. Uh, Pats game, and then now this pass, and then this you know, again, it just happened against the Raiders. But you know. Oh, well, let's let's just uh, take a quick refresher from the Cowboys season begin week one against the Buccaneers. They lose to the Buccaneers by two. They beat the Chargers by three. They beat the Eagles by 20. They beat the Anthers by eight. They beat the Giants by 24. The Patriots by six. The Vikings by four. Uh, they lost to the Broncos. They beat the Cow- uh, the Falcons 43 to three by 40. Lose to the Chiefs. Lose to the Raiders. The rest of their schedule, the Saints, Washington, the Giants, Washington, the Cardinals, and the Eagles. When you look at all four losses that they have this year, the Raiders, decent team. We don't know what the hell they are because of all the problems that they've had between their head coach and players. The Chiefs, the Chiefs defense stepped up big time. The Cowboys defense played well, 
but the Chiefs are going to be a playoff team this year, it seems. Um, there was a lot of questions and doubt they're going to be a playoff team. The Broncos, they sit at 500, a little bit under 500, but they're one of the bottom theater teams in the league. Yeah, it's one of those ones where you take the game for granted. You don't like, you know, you're sleep, you're asleep during the game and then you get blown out. And then the Buccaneers, the reigning defending Super Bowl champions. Now, the teams that they've beaten, the Chargers, there's a lot of questions with this Chargers team. They looked hot out of the gates. We thought they were going to be instant playoff contenders, probably division winners. A lot of questions about the Chargers. The Eagles, this was week three. This was week three, and the Eagles are still trying to find themselves. New head coach. First year that they started off with Jalen Hurts, they were trying to figure themselves out. The Panthers, the Cowboys were off to a fantastic start because Sam Darnold sold. They end up winning the game only by eight. The Giants, the Giants, <laughs> uh, the Giants. I have some fun facts for you about the Giants really quick. Okay. Do you know which what year it was last time they won a playoff game? Uh, well, it was at least 2011. <laughs> that, that was the year. That was the year. Yeah. And do you know what was around in 2011? I'll tell you right now. The I iPhone lied. 4 <laughs> was just getting released. Barack Obama was still president. Snapchat didn't even exist. That's what. That's how long it's been since the Giants have won a playoff game. That is horrible. Have they even been to the playoffs since then? Yes, the wild card game. Once. The wild card game. The Odell Beckham Jr. boat picture with everybody. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. Um. The Patriots. The Patriots were still figuring themselves out as well. They were sitting at two and four in the week prior. They lost to Tom Brady on a game winning or a game missing field goal by Nick Folk. They were still trying to figure themselves out and they battled with the Cowboys all game long. And again, that leads to the conversation of the missed face mask call. Could have changed everything. The Patriots could have had a new set of downs, but such is life. The Vikings, who can hell could figure out these Vikings? Like the Vikings always battled good against the <laughs> Packers, and it's like what the hell's going on here? They're Jekyll and Hyde to the definition of it. Yep. The Broncos. Let's be honest here. The Cowboys lost that game 30 nothing. The 16 points was garbage time touchdowns. 30 nothing. The Falcons, yeah, the stats, congratulations. The you did your nice. job. The Chiefs, <laughs> the Chiefs are a playoff team. I have a lot of doubts now than I did a couple weeks ago when I said the Cowboys could be Super Bowl contenders. The Cowboys will not be Super Bowl contenders because their four losses come against really good teams and all the teams that they beat, with the exception of the Patriots and maybe the Chargers, are trash. Yeah. I mean, they'll be like a... I think they're kind of falling back to that category of teams where could they win a Super Bowl? Yes, but everything would have to go right for them to win the Super Bowl. And that's why I feel like they're falling back towards that ranking of teams because they still have the talent on offense. Obviously they have the talent. They still need a lot of work because of how young they are. And what's not going to help the Cowboys come this free agency is they're not going to be able to bring back Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup's going to get a decent contract from some team and it's not going to be from the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. But at the same point, that's when you, you know, if anything, they could probably use that money maybe to get someone on defense because they still need someone you know, on defense, you know, you still have CD Lamb and, you know, Cooper at, you know, at that point. So, you know, you gotta, you just gotta figure, figure out that, you know, but I don't know. the team, the team, it's, it's just, it's so weird. Cause you know, there's all this stuff with noise with the uh, digs and all that, you know, being, you know, defensive player of the year when he was getting what an interception a week, essentially. Yeah. Essentially. And I feel like that's, I feel like that's kind of cooled off, you know, a pretty good amount too. You know, like he hasn't been making nearly as many like plays. I don't know whether it's, you know, they're targeting him like a little bit more smartly, or maybe they're not doing it at all, or whatever. Maybe he's playing bad. I'm not entirely sure because I don't see a ton of cow. I don't watch a ton of Cowboys games, mostly red zone if it's not the Pats game. But he's not making nearly as many plays as he was doing week in and week out early in the season. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of seeing the the flaws of the team are coming to fruition. Yeah. Moving on to the next game, and this was an absolute snooze fest as well, which is why it, you know, it brings up to my point with the NBA Christmas versus NFL Thanksgiving. Sure, a lot of people aren't going to agree with me. I don't give a damn. I'm I'm really excited about NBA Christmas this year. Uh, I'm always a I'm always a football fan over basketball. So I love football too, but I mean, going into let, let's go into the preseason when they announced this, 
Bills versus Saints. This isn't with Drew Brees anymore. This was potentially with Jameis Winston. Now Jameis Winston, out for the year, as we all know. Taysom, or it should have been Taysom Hill, but he's hurt. Trevor Simeon is the quarterback for the Saints, and they get demolished 31-6. to And Josh Allen didn't look good at all in the first half, and they still managed to put up 31 points against the Saints. I think the Saints team is done, 100% done. With or without Kamara, with or without Mark Ingram, there's no chance in hell they were winning this game. No chance. And shame on the Saints, because you know who was available? Cam Newton was available. You could have easily picked up Cam Newton and solved all your problems. You didn't. The Panthers beat you to the punch, and now you suffer with the quarterback who was supposed to take over for the Hall of Fame great Peyton Manning with the Denver Broncos and was just as good as Brady Quinn. Trash. Trevor Simeon shouldn't even be on the roster. And they had no identity on offense, let me tell you. I mean, Tony Jones Jr. led the rushing categories with 16 carries and only 27 yards, with Ty Montgomery getting six carries for 14 yards. God damn, I couldn't I, I can name Marquez Callaway. And the only reason I can name him is because of the he he might be the Saints WR1 while Michael Thomas is out. I don't blame Michael Thomas for not wanting to play. Why risk getting hurt more with a horrible squad like this? Yeah, uh, it's even I know it's Stefan Diggs, but did you see Mar- uh, Marshawn Lattimore get wrecked on that route? Torched. I was just like, I was just like oh, torched. Man. I was like, yo, Lattimore, that's bad. That's a bad look, dude. That is not good. <laughs> like, I mean, that man just went bye. <laughs> it, yep. it, that was bad. That was yep. that was re- really. But even like, even if you look at Josh Allen's stats overall, like they're. Solid four passion touchdowns. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two interception. Yeah, yeah. Let, like me ask you son, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Did he look MVP performance watching that game? Probably did he not. look like Josh Allen that we saw last year during this game? Flashes. Times, flashes. At times. Yeah, at times. The whole time. Right. But this is the pro- this is the problem with this team. And I was listening to a couple of the Patriots sports writers that were talking about it. Is that the way the Bills want to play offense is they want to be so pass happy, like almost like greatest show Rams on turf, like kind of team, but they don't have the great running back. Like the Rams had when they had Marshall Falk, right, like right. their running backs are solid at best. Matt Breda, you, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Yeah. Yeah. And when you play in Buffalo come to end of the regular season, especially in playoff time, if you make playoffs in Buffalo and it being cold as it can be, probably some kind of snow or sleet or some terrible weather. You need to have some physicality and a run game. And they don't have that. There's such a you like finesse offense that that's not a great recipe for success. It's like it's like what I told you on Monday. It's like what I told you on Monday. They still have like I I still think they probably have PTSD from when they gave LaShawn McCoy a contract that made the third highest paid running back in football at the time to where they don't want to go out and get the running back that they possibly need. They're going to try to draft them. They tried it with Zach Moss and Zach Moss is, like you said, a decent running back. Nothing special, but not to mention too, just about. If, I think it's every offensive play. They're out from the from the gun. You don't see him taking the ball under center. You know you gotta you gotta improvise. You you gotta make you gotta make something happen differently. You gotta you know a lot of these teams running pistol formations and gun formations and nothing under center. It doesn't work. I mean, why do you think the Chiefs have found a lot of success now? I seen Patrick Mahomes taking the ball under center now. The Patriots with their dynamic uh, their dynamic ways with taking the ball under center. Tom Brady, the Buccaneers, they take the ball under center. The, the Bills, until they can learn to get a good running back and try to switch things up and not run every single offensive play out of the gun with the climate that they're in in Buffalo with these times coming up where it's going to get really windy, really cold, a lot of snow, good luck. Yeah, well, even if you use the pistol formation, like, you know, you can get a little bit of some of the best of both worlds with that. Like, one thing that would be a very good idea is that they did that or under center and they did like play action rollout and use Josh Allen's 
you know, legs and maybe where they can, you know, dump it off to like a tight end on like the, you know, different stuff like that. Be able to use his legs where maybe it's, you know, if he rolls out, maybe he can run with the ball or maybe someone, you know, going to that, you know, that side of the field that he is rolling out to, you know, hit someone there, you know, it's just, they need to figure something, something else out because otherwise, like they're going to get found out and come playoff time, they're not going to win if they keep playing ball the way they are. It's just, it's not going to happen on offense. It's, not built to last, I feel like, this year. All right. Well, do you want to go into the power rankings? Do you have your power rankings loaded up? I'm going to let you go first. Uh, yeah, I'm attempting to load it up. So it's on uh, on a tablet. But tell me what yours, yours are because this oh. internet is terrible right now. All right. So second week of us doing this. Number five, I have the New England Patriots. Um five consecutive wins and i understand again that a lot of teams that they faced weren't weren't so good weren't so hot but the fact of the matter is is when they're beating them they're beating them convincingly and this will be the real test going into the sunday when they face off against the tennessee titans and although looks like there's no aj brown julio or derrick henry let's see if the patriots can pull off another win because right after tennessee they have buffalo Number four, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. They're, start, they're starting to figure things out. And although they had a 19-9 victory over the Cowboys and um, pass, Patrick Mahomes didn't have a single passing touchdown, thanks a lot, Patty boy. God, the one time I restarted him over Tom Brady, Tom Brady puts up like 13 more points than him. That's besides the point. But what's really helped this Chiefs team out is the acquisition of um, Melvin Ingram. Chris Jones now gets to play on the side, right on the edge where he's more comfortable and it's really helped out with that defense. I'll put the chiefs at number four, number three, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers talk about a big bounce back victory. Absolutely destroying the giants 20 to 10 at home. Tom Brady and Gronk were like best friends that day, as well as Mike Evans. They were just killing it. Number two, the green Bay Packers, a tough loss in Minnesota, but I'm not going to dock them down too much. Aaron Rodgers managed to put up 31 points and, there is a very questionable, in my mind, interception in the final in the first possession after the um, seventy-five yard touchdown by the Packers. I believe it was Darnell Savage, if I'm not mistaken, that looked like intercepted Kirk Cousins, and then the callback said incomplete pass. Kirk Cousins led him to a good drive, getting winning field goal. A, hor- a horrible loss for the Green Bay Packers. And number one, I'm putting back in number one the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> take a bow Colt McCoy Texas told Colt McCoy showed up again as he absolutely torched the opposition and rightfully so deserves to be the number one seed as they go into this bye week week 12 and week 13 they look to get both Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins back yep okay so I I have the first uh five four and three the same as you but I still have the Packers number one because even though they lost I still like that's one of those losses where it's if you want to call it a good loss, you know, even though I hate using that term, I feel like that is that is it. And I still feel like, you know, they're a team that's kind of been there, done that. So I still will put the Packers ahead of the Cardinals. I still just I have way more faith in the Rodgers to Devontae Adams connection. And then especially when Aaron Jones comes back and he's again, going to be the star running back. And then AJ Dillon can be more of a, a complimentary back, which is more of a better role for him. Sorry. And I feel like that, that would, that would be best because I still want to, I still want to see Kyler like it, the Cardinals with Kyler. If this was the Cardinals with Kyler playing like that. Then to me, it would be like a, for sure, like slam dunk number one, but I don't think right now I I would be able to put them number one. I just think it's more of like a kind of a flash in the pan with Colt McCoy, even though it's been a couple weeks. I think eventually, you know, the it's going to catch up to him and he's going to play more like Colt McCoy actually would be. All right. Um, transition into the NBA really quick. Let's talk about the Phoenix Suns really quick. Yeah, right there, my guy. Yeah, sorry. Well, the Phoenix Suns start off one and two. Now they are in 14 game winning streak. <laughs> they sit at 15 and two and they're playing right now as we're recording against the New York Knicks are 53, 36, looking to go for their 15th straight win. Wow. Are you impressed? Like, 
of course you're impressed. But my question to you is how serious do people take the Phoenix Suns about possibly going back to the NBA finals? I mean, we look across the league, the Lakers are struggling. The Clippers most depending on if they get Kawhi Leonard back will dictate if they could be threats to win uh, the Western conference. The Denver Nuggets is another team that could be questioned depending on when they get Jamal Murray back. And if Michael Porter could pan out to the contract that he got handed to him, that someone I wouldn't say fully deserves. I wouldn't. He's getting paid $207 million for over five years. I don't think he's within that category yet. And then the Dallas Mavericks too. It looks like Porzingis is looking almost like the Porzingis from the New York Nick days with the Dallas Mavericks go alongside Luka Doncic. <laughs> it only took so long, right? <laughs> yeah, it, but I think bringing in Jason Kidd shows what the potential of this Dallas Mavericks team is because the Pacers are struggling under Rick Carlisle. They're sitting at eight and twelve, and it's not like they have any scrubs. Got Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, Demonis Sabonis. They still have Miles Turner. A question of whenever they get TJ Warren back. I mean, this Pacers team is good, but to be sitting at eight and twelve is inexcusable. And maybe Rick Carlisle's out of his element, just like Stan Van Gundy had to learn the hard way last year. Might be out of his time. Game might have passed you. Yeah. So my thing is like with the Suns. I mean, you obviously should think about them obviously as a legit championship contender. I mean, with making it, and you could tell. With their team, because you when you have a, someone like uh, Chris Paul on your team, then they're a legitimate title contender. He is that good. If it was, let's say, that team minus Chris Paul and they still made it, then I could understand people thinking of maybe a little bit more of a, I want to say when you're wondering, but like a flash in the pan and maybe a little bit ahead of their, you know, their timetable of how good of a team they were. Right. But when you have a, a player like Chris Paul, you have Devin Booker on the team and that squad that they got, they are a legitimate title contender. That, like, if they, they would be the best team in the West <laughs> if the Warriors weren't there. <laughs> They'd be the best team in the West. And you could probably even still argue if you want to that they are a better team. This is, I this could, is, I can see that argument. This brings flashbacks of when the Warriors went 73 and nine and that the Warriors could probably win like 70 games again. And people forget about the Suns in second place. Like they forgot about the Spurs when the Spurs won like 66 games that year when the Warriors won <laughs> yep. 73. That was an insane season. A hundred percent transition. Well, now let's keep in the Western conference because Lakers sit at 10 and 10. Are you nervous about the, well, let me change the perspective. If you're an NBA slash Lakers fan, should you be nervous about this Lakers squad? 20 games oh, in sitting at 10 and 10. Oh, yeah. Well, definitely, because if you saw a picture slash meme of how they guarded Russell Westbrook what, last year, and then then they want him on the team to help, you know, it, like I understand like you want like the namesake and he's a very good player, but you need shooting. That's literally the opposite of like what like bringing him in is the opposite of what you needed. But obviously you need to be worried about a team like this. You know, with that record, if they, you know, if that, if you, let's say they were, he said, what, they're 10 and 10. If they were maybe about 14 and six range, you know, my, plus minus a couple there, like, then I could understand, you know, not being worried, but the way they're playing, you have to be worried about this team coming the long run. Are they going to have enough shooting, you know, to make the playoffs and last in the playoffs? Right now, it, like, I would say to, for them to last in the playoffs with that, level of shooting that they have, I would say no. So you got to make moves and it's like, really, what can you make as a move that would be a, of a significance uh, to that team? I don't really know if you're going to be able to make that this year, to be honest. Yeah, there's a lot of this roster is completely flawed and this is bringing me flashbacks of the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron had Dwayne Wade and Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. And at some point, LeBron probably had to sell for an office. We got to do something. We have to. I mean, let's look at this team. There's too many ball-dominant guys. You have LeBron James. You have Russell Westbrook. You have Rajon Rondo. Rondo needs the ball in his hands to create for others, believe it or not. <laughs> he still needs that ball in his hands. Granny's not going to be like what he was with the Celtics, but he's a playmaker and he's the ball in his hands in order to do so. Then let's look at all the big guys I have in their team. They have Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and DeAndre Jordan. And a lot of times they're running Anthony Davis with DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard out there, and it does not work out well. Anthony Davis' game is not the perimeter. He's not Kevin Love, all right? Anthony Davis is a low-post guy, and I feel like a lot of the teams that LeBron's been on, those big guys, the Chris Boshes, the Kevin Loves, and the Anthony Davises, 
are low post guys that get forced to go out into the perimeter. And it really showed not with Kevin Love, but it really showed with Chris Bosh. The first year that LeBron left, Chris Bosh was having an unbelievable season where he's averaging over 20 points and nearly nine to 10 rebounds per game, I believe, because he got to play his game, not LeBron's game. Yep. So they, they need shooting. And before the season started, going back to it once again, they almost acquired Buddy Healed. And like I yeah, said, that, like I said, when they're not doing that, like, like I said, he's averaging 17 points per game right now with the Kings. He'd be averaging well over 20 with the Lakers right now. Yeah. And even if he didn't average 20 like that, even let's say we saw it in 17, they would have to respect his shooting ability. And that would just open up driving lanes for Westbrook, LeBron, you know, potential like pick and roll stuff with like Anthony Davis. And we would just open up possibilities for everyone else on the team. So correction on me about the Chris Bosh thing, 21.1 points per game and seven rebounds per game. So that's the, you, every big man that was he's played with ever since the heat days have had to make such a transition and really dramatically change their game, you know, and be like essentially a stretch four. Bosch was not a stretch four really before he was, you know, a good kind of like Low post guy, guy that had that, you know, had the ability to shoot the mid range. He had to develop the ability to shoot the three pointer because LeBron needs the paint to be open for him to drive and potentially kick it out if the defense, you know, comes and double teams him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'd be 100% worried if I was a Lakers fan right now. I got one of my buddies at work. He's always busting my chops. Like, the Brooklyn Nets are sitting at 5-14. and 14. They're a bunch of trash cans. <laughs> Just busting my chops over here. Shout out to my boy, David. Going into the Eastern Conference now, let's talk about the Knicks. The Knicks sit at 10-8. and eight, And there's been times where Tom Thibodeau has sat the entire starting lineup in the fourth quarter. And right now, they're getting, they're getting worked on by the Suns. 57-44, I believe, going into the half. Yep, you'd be right. I think the expectations for the Knicks were set way too high. The Knicks are going to finish either six or below this year. The Knicks are not going to elevate anymore. Yes, they brought in Kevin Walker and Evan Fournier, but the issues with those two guys is their lack of defense. And Kevin Walker is not the player that he once was. It's a great name for MSG, especially the cardiac Kemba moments with the UConn Huskies. But Kem is not what he once was. And it's not like he's trying to hoist up 30, 40 shots a game to try to get his rhythm. He's playing within the the system that they have organized, but their system, Kyle, looks a lot like the Boston Celtics. That's an issue. And I'll tell you what, the easiest money I made, I wish I put way more down on it. I did an alternative spread. Nets were only giving one point to the Celtics. They were one-point favorites. I wish I went to at least five and a half. I went minus two and a half for the Nets and they destroyed the Celtics. Oh yeah, I saw that was a bad that was a bad game. But you're not wrong. The Knicks, after going and making it to the playoffs, and then there was the amazing first game of the year against the Boston Celtics and how of a dramatic, you know, I think it went double overtime that game against yes. the Celtics. You know, and you have that how that it was like almost like a perfect scenario the crowd was absolutely hyped and it was an amazing game to watch. You know, I think that even ramped up the expectations even more. And now it's more of, you know, reality kicking in there. They're not as good of a team, although they're still a solid team, but they're just not as good as, you know, Knicks fans were hoping and people were originally thinking and projecting. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks sitting at 11 and eight. Do you have any worries with that? No, I said I'm going to tell you I don't because I can tell you right now, Drew Holiday's missed some time. Chris Middleton has missed some time. Brooke Lopez has missed some time. So for people that look and see the Milwaukee Bucks are sitting at 11 and 8 and are worried, there's no reason to be worried. They just haven't been completely healthy. Yeah, if, if they can get healthy, they'll be fine. That's their problem. They got, they're working through that rough stretch. If everyone gets back and can be as healthy as possible, <laughs> they'll be monsters once again. How about the Wizards in the 4 seed right now sitting at 11 and 7? It's impressive. <laughs> well, did people think this was going to happen? I didn't like, anticipate them being a four seed, but did I anticipate them being a lot better than last year? Yes. And the reason why is because the trade they made for Russell Westbrook, they got Kyle Kuzma, Catavius Caldwell Pope, and Montrez Harrell in return in that deal. And then they had a great signing in the offseason, who I miss so dearly, Spencer Dinwiddie, 
has been playing team basketball, much like he did when he was on the Nets. And he's able to not only create for himself, but also for others. And he'll do it in scoring. He'll do it rebounding. Cause I've been seeing his stats lately with fantasy. I mean, he's been getting some nights. He's getting nine rebounds. He's getting 10 rebounds, seven rebounds. And then of course, since he's the point guard, he's dishing out some assists to go alongside with Bradley Beal. If they can keep this up and this comes off of just firing Scott Brooks too, not to mention getting parting ways with Scott Brooks and they're finding a way to win ball games sitting at 11 and seven. Hey, it's impressive. You, like you said, you make a trade, you had to get the right pieces. And it was the, I think the question is, is just how was everything going to mesh? And that was going to be the big, you know, kind of like the big question mark, but so far pretty, pretty impressive so far, you know, for them. It's a lot, a lot better than what I was thinking. That's safe to say. All right. Well, let's go into our power rankings. Do you have your NBA power rankings or are you just going off the top of your head? No, I have the, I actually had these written down and not on the tablet. So Beautiful. I'm not going to be doing stuff on the tablet anymore. Well, if but, you got it written down, then you know what? I'm going to let you go first since I went first for NFL. Okay. Yep. So uh, I'll go, uh, I'll go one to 10. So I had the same uh, top two as last week. Uh, Warriors one, uh, Suns uh, two. I flip-flopped uh, three and four. I have the Nets three and then uh, the Bulls four. I had that reversed. I have the Heat five, Utah six. I have the Wizards seven. I have the Mavs at eight. I have the Bucks at nine, and I have the Nuggets at ten. The Nuggets at ten, okay. Yeah, I just think it's because with the like the injuries are obviously the big problem for them. You know, you have Michael Porter uh, Jr.'s, excuse me, his back, uh, the, you know, Jokic uh, wrist problems, and obviously Murray's still out, obviously, with the ACL. So I think if they, you know, if they can get, you know, at least, you know, Jokic back and Porter, and then obviously whenever Jamal Murray comes back, you know, hopefully he does, that's going to be a very scary team. All right. Well, I, I always do 10 to 1. I always save the best for last. And number 10 right now, I have the Chicago Bulls. Uh, number nine, I have the Miami Heat, who went two and two, dating back to last Thursday. I have the Minnesota Timberwolves at number eight. I'm bringing them way up there. They're sitting at nine and nine right now, but they caught fire. They went four and zero oh this week, um, including a double digit win over the Miami Heat in a, defeating the Grizzlies by 43 points. I think this trio of D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns is starting to work out, and. I think bringing Patrick Beverly was one of the best things for the Timberwolves to happen because he brings that defensive intensity. He's a great leader, and that's what these young guys need. And not that D'Angelo Russell can't lead because I saw him lead with the Brooklyn Nets, how great of a leader he was. When he's out there in that court, he makes a difference. He can get you 30 if you need him to, but that's not completely his style anymore. Anthony Edwards is looking like a number one overall pick. Carl Anthony Towns is a superstar. yeah, And that's why I had them way up there at number eight. Anthony Edwards is fun to watch. It's just like every night. It's like who's he gonna who's he gonna dunk on tonight? I mean, essentially, yeah. And and then it get called back for charging. Yeah, which and, and D'Lo, you should have you should have saw D'Lo. It was like the Blake Griffin thing. Where he's like, he didn't even had a jump though, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was that was an impressive one. But I think Patrick Beverly might be the biggest, you know, move they could, or the best move they could have made. They they needed that tough. That toughness, because the one problem you could say that, about Carl Anthony Towns is sometimes he could be a little soft, and he ain't soft around Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly is going to call you out, and he will toughen you up, because that is one thing that he brings to every team is toughness and defense. <laughs> Number seven, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, as as well, they went four and zero, and Giannis Antetokounmpo for the first time discovered Oreos with milk. In case you haven't just. Dis- <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was hilarious. That was one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen from Giannis so far. And he's been a funny man. He is a funny man. By the way, man. Did, did you see what, uh, did you happen to see what I, uh, what I put on Twitter? I commented on something about that. No, I didn't. Uh, I, uh, I put a, I, I put something on lines of say, saying switch to chips. Ahoy. Oreos are trash. <laughs> How dare you? You did not say that. Yeah, I did. Do you believe in that? Yeah. I like chips. Ahoy way better than Oreos. I don't like Oreos. What the hell is wrong with you? I don't know. I'm not a fan of Oreos. What? Yeah. Do you get the double stuffed at least? Or like, I'm trying no, to help. I, I'm trying to help I, you I, out here. I, I look, I look at them. Are in you the sick? Store. No, 
Are you I look sure? I them in a store, and then I go with Chips Ahoy. Chips Ahoy to me are just way better. I, I don't. I, I don't even know what to say to you right now, Kyle. I cannot believe the blasphemy that is coming out. Chips Ahoy is way better than Oreos. How yep. dare you? How don't, dare you? The only thing I've had with Oreos in it recently was actually today. Someone at work uh, had an uh, a Oreo cupcake left. So they asked me if I want. I was like, sure. And how was it? It was solid. I mean, it wasn't like there was oh. like Oreos oh. and, and like the cake part is more of like Oreos, like mixed in with like the frosting. Uh. It, it, it was solid. I'm just not a fan of I'm just not a fan of Oreos. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe the blasphemy that's coming out of Rehired. your mouth. Rehired. How dare you? But they're at number seven. Bobby Portis caught fire within those four games that they won. Averaging 20, 20 and a half points per game and 12.3 rebounds in the absence of Brooke Lopez. Number six, I have the Charlotte Hornets. Number five, I have the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are on a six game winning streak. Uh, and Trey Young is averaging 26.7 points and 8.7 assists during that uh, extended win streak. Number four, I have the Jazz. Number three, I have the Brooklyn Nets. Number two, the Suns, and number one, the Golden State Warriors. Okay. I think we all know who number one and two were going to be. It just depended potentially on the order. That's yeah. I mean, I, I have to leave my bias aside. I have to. Yeah. The Nets still have a lot of things to figure out, even watching. There's still a lot of issues trying to find their identity and they're and they're without Joe Harris and they're without Kyrie Irving. So, I mean, only time will tell with, with this Nets team and what they could potentially be if Kyrie doesn't play the whole year. Yep. It's going to be such an un- unfortunate thing if he doesn't play because that team, that team would be incredible. Well, like it's like, absolutely- it's like what I said before, man, you know what I mean? I mean, he came into the season prepared to play New York city dropped a vaccine mandate. And at this point, it's up to him. It's not up to the team. It's not up to the fans. It's up to him. And we should respect his decision. That's the way I see it. I, I'm not going to be like Stephen A. Smith and attack the man's character and say that he needs to be cut or needs to get traded or he's setting a bad example. I'm not going to go that far and drastic like he is. Fair. I think that's unprofessional. Um, Let's go to MLB really quick um, and we'll start wrapping things up with a very, very short episode here for the sports cave. Steve Cohen went a little off on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. There is a tweet that says, I'm not happy this morning. I've never seen such unprofessional behavior exhibited by a player's agent. I guess words and promises didn't matter. And this comes after what was looking like a reunion, in New York city with Steven Matz looks like he was going to resign with the New York Mets after getting traded going to the Blue Jays, he then decides that he is going to go to the St. Louis Cardinals instead on a four-year deal. Do you have any issues of Steve Cohen going out there and putting what he put out there on Twitter? I wouldn't do it because I believe that stuff is that negotiations and Contract stuff belo- uh, belongs behind closed doors. That belongs between the owner or GM, whoever is from the team side, and then the player's re- agent, the representation, and then obviously the player. I believe that's what it belongs to. It comes off as whiny to me and like sour, like sour grapes. You know, it's it's a business. You should know to never fully take someone for their word. Is it nice if they, let's say if he said, hey, I'm going to resign, or if I get an offer from someone else, I will allow you to, you know, give a counter offer and see if you can potentially up your offer and make it better. But if he doesn't do that, you shouldn't be whining on Twitter. You're a grown man. that, Like I said, you come off, you know, as you know, as a kid that should be put almost in timeout because he didn't get his way, is how it feels to me. 
I'm going to read what um, Steve Matt's agent, Rob Martin, in his response to Steve Cohen's Twitter rant. We are aware of Mr. Cohen's tweet on what I just get here. Signing Mets to sign Mark Canna, 32 year old out there kneeling to deal with the Mets. Okay. That's probably a backup in case they don't get Michael Conforto back. We are aware of Mr. Cohen's tweet. It's unfortunate that he chose to take his frustrations to Twitter and will not do the same. And instead, we'll take the high road, which is consistent with both my character and the character of our client. Steve Matt's group of Mets fan loved his time there and continues to invest in New York community through his efforts supporting New York's first responders. As a result of that, there was a strong pull to return to the Mets, but ultimately he made his decision he felt was best for him and his family. Steven is and always will be grateful to the Mets and Mets fans, but now he looks forward to his next chapter, tremendous franchise in St. Louis. Steven Matz grew up a Mets fan, like it says there, with his grandfather. His grandfather and him used to watch almost every single Mets game. But there's something going on with this Mets team that we don't know about inside of the front office, whether it's with Stephen Cohen or whoever it could possibly be. Hence the reason why it took them so long to hire a general manager. They went all the way to as much as in, as listing a job on Indeed. There's something really bad going on That's with this funny. Mets team, and I really wish that someone would spill the beans, whoever it could possibly be. Could it be when they fired Carlos Beltran because he got caught cheating? Did that leave a little bit of sour, you know, sour grapes in their mouth? Could it be the incident with Francisco Lindor, and I believe it was J.D. Davis or... Um, Wait, tell me about that incident because I don't know about it that much. You got to give me a second because I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember the uh, second baseman's name that he got into the incident with. Hold on, Jeff McNeil. He grabbed Jeff McNeil by the throat during in May seventh, and they said that there was like a raccoon there or something. But you could literally see he grabbed him by the throat. Could it be some with that? I, I don't know what could be wrong, but Steven Matz probably knows a lot more. I mean, think about it. Noah Syndergaard said to the hell with the Mets, I'm going to take the extra $2 million to go all the way to Los Angeles with the Angels. Yeah, he literally said, I'm going to the other side of the country. I, I don't I. know. But <laughs> um, in regards to Steve Cohen, I can understand his frustrations because you literally had him Right then and there, it, it kind of reminds me of the scene of Moneyball when uh, Billy Bean looked like he was going to resign Johnny Damon, and then Scott Boris calls back and tells him, "Well, he's getting this from the Red Sox." But that's just the way how the business goes, and Steve Cohen's a little new to this, I think. Yeah, but t- doesn't it come off as whiny? Like that's just what it does to me. It just um, comes off as it just comes off as whiny. It's not like. If I could understand it a little bit more if it was like a player, like a young player, because that's just kind of the the what young players or people typically do. See, Cohen ain't like 20, you know. He, he's he's been around a block a little bit. He should know to not complain about it on Twitter. What are Twitter people gonna do? They're gonna egg you on and make you even more mad, if anything. So I just I honestly I just don't I don't get it. Unless for some reason, Steve Matz legitimately said, hey, I will sign with you after the, or I will resign with you after the season is over. Or he said, if I get an offer from another team before we, before I sign with you guys, I will allow you to counter that offer to up your offer and see if you can best the offer I get from said team. Still, even if that happened, I still don't think you should be saying it on Twitter. That stuff should be behind closed doors because then how is that going to look for other free agents, players on your team, players around the MLB? If they're like, this guy's acting like this, yeah, do I want to go play with them? It's going to – people are going to be hesitant, and that's what you don't want. You don't I, want I can understand where you're coming from. I understand where you come from, but it's just I'm a little I'm, I'm I'm on both sides. I understand your perspective, but I'm also asking that you understand where like I could see his perspective. You know what I mean? Especially with someone that used to be part of the organization and gave you and if it's true that gave you his word that this is set in stone and then that happens, I'd be a little frustrated too. Hundred percent. But for 
and there's a lot of things too that Steve Cohen reveals on Twitter about baseball that I think that needs to be known about because a lot of things it's it's just like politics with baseball. It's high, it's hid behind closed doors about things that we know about, but no one will say. And Steve Cohen doesn't have a problem about saying it. Yeah, I mean, if if that's how he's going to be, you better be he better be able to live with the consequences and the pros and cons of how he is. You know, if you're gonna be if you're able to live with that, more power to you. Before we start recording, there was talks about the Tigers talking to Javi Baez, and here's a tweet from Buster only four hours ago. The Tigers had talked to Marcus Simeon, Carlos Correa, before recently focusing on Javi Baez, who will likely be less expensive than what Correa and Simeon seek, are seeking. Baez was offered eight years, $168 million by the Cubs in March of 2020, and his camp said no, but COVID hit interrupted those negotiations. The Tigers are just signed Eduardo Rodriguez to a, a five-year, I believe, $70 million contract to bring in with Javi Baez. It, it makes them better. They were a much better team last year than they were 2020 and 2019. And I think a lot has to do with the A.J. Hinch. And Jonathan Scoop had a tremendous year. And there's a bunch of young talent on this Detroit Tigers team. And bringing in Eduardo Rodriguez alongside with Matthew Boyd. If you can convince Javi Baez that this is our plan with this group of young guys that we have, and once Miguel Cabrera's contract expires, we could do such, maybe you could convince Javi Baez to come in. Or does Javi want to go to a big market? Go back to the Chicago with the Cubs if they offer him a contract. Go back with the Mets where... He, he said that he would take no problem with playing second fiddle to Lindor, allow, allowing Lindor to play shortstop and him, whether it's second base or third base. Does he go to, say, the Yankees? If the Yankees are willing to offer him a contract. The Tigers, I, I don't see him going to the Tigers. It seems like a weird fit. He seems, yeah, it, this feels he like seems it's so like out the of the blue. That is, he seems like the guy that is a big market guy. He's the, you know, that would like to play in a big market. I mean, he's the guy that is, he makes a ton of flashy plays, you know, and that would work best in, you know, like with the Cubs or, you know, the Mets or the Yankees in New York. The Tigers, it just seems, I can understand from the Tigers side because Javier Baez is a very well-known name in baseball and it bring, you know, some shine to the team, which is very much needed. I don't know. With the end of Miguel Cabrera, you're right. Yeah, I just don't know, like with Javi, like from Javi Baez's side, that really makes sense. Unless they're offering you like a stupid amount of money, you know, then okay, fair enough. You know, do as you please. But I think it would work best on, like you said, maybe like with the Cubs, the Mets, maybe, you know, the Yankees, you know, it, that seems like a lot more logical in my mind than going to the Tigers. Oh, according to Ken, well, Joel Sherman, now seen with Ken Rosenthal, the Mark Canna deal with the Mets, if completed, because pending the fiscal, will be a two-year, $26.5 million contract. This gives all indications in my mind that the Mets are moving on from Michael Conforto. And you know what? Good for them, because (laughs) when your agent talks about how you were in the Little League World Series... Who the hell gives a damn when you're 12 years old and you're in the Little League World Series? You're yeah. a grown-ass man now. What are you doing in baseball now? How are you How are you going to be productive for us now? Not for the Little League World Series. <laughs> yeah, because you imagine that, like, you come negotiating for a contract. Be like, well, my client was in the Little League World Series. It's just like, okay. I would laugh. At, I would legitimately laugh in that person's face and don't want to get out. Like, who cares? I, I didn't cool. see I didn't see that the Mets made also another deal earlier on today. The Mets also signed Eduardo Rodriguez to a two-year $20 million deal. Wow. Um, or not Eduardo Rodriguez, excuse me, Eduardo Escobar. Second and third baseman and potentially the outfield. I feel like they're playing they're playing cautious in case they don't get a Chris Bryant or a Javi Baez because Eduardo Escobar could play the outfield. He could play the infield. J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil are known for getting hurt, unfortunately. He'd say that, knock on wood, that they don't. I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but this also is protecting their behinds in case they don't get Javi Baez or Chris Bryant. Yeah, they need to they need to have a fallback plan if that doesn't work. And it Uncle seems Steve like- has no problem spending money. 
Exactly. I mean, you don't. You kind of need to spend money. It's New York. You have a, obviously the Yankees mm-hmm. in New York. They they like to spend money. So no, they don't. You have to at least spend something. You know. So Yankees you gotta don't spend do money anymore, my friend. No, oh, they're spending a. You know, they spend a good amount. <laughs> Maybe not. They don't spend like, like they used ones. to. Oh yeah, but you know, fortunately, like the, Met, like the Mets are going to spend like the Yankees used to. Yeah, that's probably what's what's needed. For their sakes, yes, but unless there's anything else you want to talk about, my friend, I mean, that pretty much wraps it up. Nothing that comes to my mind. I'm trying to think. Well, you know what? That, that you can think of? I can tell you something that I'm thinking of. Trade me John Morant since you don't check your team. I need. So, the thing is, he. I think isn't he only a point guard in that thing? Like, he'd only yes. start him at point? Yes. That's the problem. Someone tried to send me a trade. I forgot who it, it might have been. Probably Steve. Sure. Probably Steve. It, Probably my buddy yeah, Steve. It was, yeah, it was someone for – it was not, I don't think, for him, but it was someone else that was just a point guard for someone else on my team. <laughs> Problems with work. I would check it more. It's just, God, I, I honestly, I just keep forgetting about it with work too much. I'm just like, oh. It's all right, my GMOE. Bus and chops, but ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for today's episode. I hope everybody had a great time Thanksgiving. Please make sure to like, share, subscribe to us here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening from. Um, and make sure to tune in this Monday at 7 15. We'll be live in Facebook Live. So, along with my co host Kyle, I'm Robbie. You listen to another episode of Sportscape presented by Retro Sports Network. Have a great rest of your day, afternoon, evening. Goodbye.